Well, sunny beaches of South Florida, is that you? Hello! Oh my gosh! How in the heck are you? You look amazing today. It is so good to see you again. Come on in and have a seat. Follow us or subscribe or whatever it is your medium requires and stay a while. We'd love to have you as part of our family. Say, while you're here, can I get you something to think today? There's a story told of a young couple who got lost one weekend while hiking in the mountains near Parowan, Utah. They got pretty turned around and walked most of the day looking for help. Around dusk, they ran into a large sheep camp in the mountains with grazing sheep, the curious lambs, and what looked like several skilled and engaged sheepdogs. They announced their presence towards what looked like a tin-covered wagon, from which there was a steady stream of smoke coming from the chimney. Well, out stepped an old gentleman with a beard that hadn't been shaved or groomed in months. They asked him for directions out of the mountains. Well, it was late in the evening, so the old sheepherder just asked, Why don't you stay for the night? I'll make you dinner and find you a warm place to sleep. And I'll give you directions in the morning. Besides, I could use some company. I haven't seen another human for weeks now. And the sheep sounds are beginning to drive me mad. Well, they agreed, and he replied, That'd be great. I'll have dinner ready in about ten minutes. He was rustling up something that looked suspiciously like wild game. But I'm sure that Spur would refer to it as free-range wallaby stew. The old sheepherder said if they'd like to help prepare for supper, they could set out the plates, cups, and silverware that were stacked at this, in the center of the table. Well, they were both exhausted and starving, and now more than ever they were happy for the help and the food. As one of them took the stack of ceramic-coated tin plates with that spotted design and started setting them in place, it was noticed that some appeared to be still somewhat dirty. They asked if by chance the plates hadn't been washed already, and if out of gratitude she might quickly do that. The old sheep herder responded with surprising enthusiasm and confidence. Oh no, they've been washed with three waters and should be good to go. Well, they shrugged their shoulders and thought to themselves, three waters, that sounds pretty thorough. Maybe it's just the lighting in this old sheep wagon. So they laid out the plates. The meal was extraordinary, as are most meals out on the trail, or lost and just grateful for food. As they polished off the last of the wallaby stew, they asked if they could help with cleanup and washing the dishes. Sure! Put your dirty plates into the empty stew pot on the table. Well, upon doing this, the sheep herder picked up the pot, walked to the rear of the sheep wagon, down the steps, and set the plates and pots on the ground. He then promptly made two quick whistles and enthusiastically yelled, Allegheny, Monongahela, Ohio, here, three waters, leave the sheep for a moment and come and clean them up.
A couple weeks ago, while we were in the garden gathering the squash and tomatoes the last day before the frost, my son asked me, Dad, what is enthusiasm? Well, that's a good question, son. Enthusiasm by itself isn't meaningful. I remember the program uh, Dirty Jobs. Mike Rowe had made a comment once and had alerted up-and-comers in the labor market to be leery of some terrible advice, he called, which he labels as follow your passion. The incongruency of your passion versus your abilities can be stark. A huge crevasse between the two. Just because you're passionate about something doesn't mean you won't suck at it, he said. (laughs) And I've always remembered that phrase. Just because you're passionate about something doesn't mean you won't suck at it. And I'll definitely include a link to that video in the show notes. We can be enthused about something and still not do a decent job or even an acceptable job. Like the sheep herder cleaning the dishes. My son is enthused about washing dishes at home because it means money. That enthusiasm slash passion for trading dishwashing for money doesn't create a skill in immaculately cleaning dishes. He's still learning the rules about washing some of the dirtiest of pots and pans first in their own water with extra detergent. So occasionally we get the three waters effect and the wash dishes have to be cleaned before they can be placed on the table. You know, my enthusiasm and passions are not always congruent with my skills or abilities. I'm a dad who's been sewing things for most of my life, from buttons to tears, salvaging wranglers to repairing a ski coat that, during an awesome black diamond crash at Brian Head Ski Resort, I incidentally ran my own ski through the chest and shoulder area. Yeah, so aside from clothing, I've tied off a bleeding artery uh, from a horse that I had to doctor and bandage a leg of as we moved him from a cold winter in Dixie National Forest to some winter pasture. In the mid-90s, while I was working in Phoenix, Arizona, we went swimming at a resort in Scottsdale in the evening. Some of the pools were lit, some of them weren't, and as I shallow dove into one of the unlit pools, I still cracked my chin on the bottom of the pool, and uh, it shattered some back teeth, split my chin open a good inch plus. Most of the previous chin scars I had were from an old Shetland pony named Flash, who had the uncanny habit of leaning his head down on unsuspecting kids while he was standing on extra hard surfaces. Well, this time in Scottsdale, on a warm summer evening, I came out of the water holding my chin and spitting out bits of teeth. As I got out of the pool, my cousin Jason, who had saved my life previous to this incident from a cliff diving accident at Lake Powell, looked at my new boo-boo and said, Oh gosh, that's super bad. My only response was, you would make a terrible EMT. But honesty amongst cousins was always a blessing, even when the comments could have sent me into shock. Well, after arriving home that night, I consulted by phone with my Uncle Bill, who was a doctor in Henderson, Nevada, and he pretty much just said, sterilize a needle with alcohol or a lighter and use clean thread if you're going to do it yourself. So we chose the colors of the Phoenix Suns, purple and orange, and with a penny taped to my finger for a thimble, And the aid of my other cousin, Matt, we proceeded to put four stitches into my chin. Matt would guide where the needle needed to go, and then I had to puncture the skin by myself. Because, man, it's a lot tougher than you think to push a needle through the skin of your chin. 
hence I, that's why I had the penny taped to my finger for the thimble. And then he would pull the brightly colored stitches through and tie them off. Well, this morning, as I'm scripting this in preparation for school, my son put on a hoodie that he had been given by a friend. He mentioned as he came from brushing his teeth that it had a hole in it. Well, I could see from the shoulder that the entire seam had come undone. I said, if you if you leave that at home with me, I'll stitch it up for you today. So he promptly removed it and didn't think much else about it. I, I drove him with his dog down to the bus stop, and we visited while waiting for the bus. Uh, I arrived home, showered, got ready for my work that day at home. And as I remembered my promise to make a quick stitch of the jacket, I went into his room to find it. I gathered up my sewing items, turned on a podcast, and sat in anticipation of what I thought was going to be a quick mend. Well, three hours later, I was still stitching. It went from one shoulder seam to the other, and then the inside seam of the first shoulder. Then I found several holes in the arm. The cuff was like without a stitch. And then that silky liner in the arms was fraying at the armpit, where those young hands are a little rough putting on the hoodie. Did I think about quitting as each new tear, hole, undone area presented itself? Kind of. Yeah but I was also invested into making the clothing item functional and complete in my imperfect seamstress way. And so, in my meaningful, enthusiastic way, I trudged on until the task was complete. I learned a few new tricks about sewing a seam, actually, and hiding the tail when it's finished. But overall, the repair job was adequate. And I didn't let my enthusiasm tell me otherwise. The word enthusiasm entered the English language around the beginning of the 17th century. It was borrowed from the Greek word enthousiasmos, or something similar to that, meaning inspiration or possession by a god. So for the first 200 or so years that it was used in English, enthusiasm was primarily employed to refer to beliefs or passions that related to religion or spiritual experiences. By the beginning of the 18th century, however, the word began to be used to describe having strong feelings or interest in secular matters. So, meaningful enthusiasm is a spiritual movement within us, sometimes done to us, but much more effective when we seek it out and open ourselves up to it. In episode five, I talked about being selfful, and I also share with you a story of the young boy the neighbor had asked him to come over to care for their dog while they were gone for the week. And so he went over to the house, they went through all the routines the boy was required to do as far as feeding the dog, make sure there's plenty of water, take him for walks, care for him, watch after him and love him and all that. And the neighbor, wanting to know how much it was worth to the child, asked, what do you think the job like this is worth? And the child responded, I'll pay you 20 bucks. So happiness sometimes accompanies enthusiasm, yet happiness is not required to accompany it. A positive emotion is not necessary for enthusiasm, especially meaningful enthusiasm. Enthusiasm to me is more like a carrier emotion. It it carries you. It carries the moment. A strong, restless excitement about something or an active interest. Um, Enthusiasm could be an intense emotion, 
or a compelling action. You have to find your enthusiasm to be able to fully and meaningfully participate for the longevity of something. John Acuff refers to this as having a motivation portfolio, figuring out what it is to activate your meaningful enthusiasms. Enthusiasm is almost always the underlying current, not the surface emotion. And speaking of underlying currents, when I was living in the Phoenix area, that same cousin Matt and I had gone out for an afternoon on the Salt River. And if you've ever been on the Salt River, it looks, for the most part, like it's just glass. Like it's just so smooth and barely moving. Well, as we got in this canoe, for some reason, Matt was jumping out of the boat to get something that had strayed from us, an oar or something of that nature. As he dove ahead of the canoe we were in into the water, well, Matt came up a surprising distance away from the boat, from where he had dove in, doved, dived, where he went in the water. We realized that there was a huge undercurrent going on here that you could not see from the surface, and the canoe couldn't experience it from setting on the surface. But when he dove in, it carried him a long ways away. And it was far enough that I couldn't paddle to get him because the paddle was in the water and he had to swim like crazy to get back to the boat. And the enthusiasm of the Salt River's undercurrent could have been our undoing that day. It was pretty wild, pretty crazy. That kind of undercurrent can happen in your life, in my life, in a good way in a way that most people who dwell on the surface will never see. You know, there's a book called The 4-Hour Workweek written by Tim Ferriss. And in that, he makes an interesting point that differentiates the meaningful enthusiasm from all the other things we talked about. And that is, he says, being busy is a form of laziness, lazy thinking and indiscriminate action. And being busy is most often used as a guise for avoiding critically important but uncomfortable actions. Another word that goes with meaningful enthusiasm is zeal, which is an energetic and unflagging pursuit of an aim or a devotion to a cause. Many decades ago, Charles Schwab, who was earning a salary of a million dollars a year, was asked if he was being paid such a high salary because of his exceptional ability to produce steel. Well, Charles Schwab replied, I consider my ability to arouse enthusiasm among others as the greatest asset I possess. And the way to develop the best that is in others is by appreciation and encouragement. When I think of some of the experiences and stories of what I would consider misplaced enthusiasm. I'm reminded of an experience when I was going to college at Southern Utah University. My roommate, Craig Peterson, had recently purchased this new black and red Chevy truck, a real flashy ride. And as country kids, we took it into the mountains to test out the four-wheel drive. As we got up to the summit of State Highway 14 on Cedar Mountain, we found where the snowplows had stopped clearing the road. And I don't remember Craig Peterson hesitating when he saw the transition from the clear road to a road with enough powder to cover the entire wheels. But the roommate sitting in the middle 
felt the exhilaration of this moment. And in his excitement, all he could think to say was, keep up the multitude. So there you go. Enthusiasm is most likely not what you fully thought it was, but it's also so much more meaningful than you or I probably thought it could be. So here are my takeaways. What is enthusiasm? Well, let me start with what it's not. It's not adrenaline. It's not excitement. It's not red dye number 40. It's not psyching yourself up for something. And it's definitely not a false belief that our glee can bridge a skills gap that we haven't yet earned. Meaningful enthusiasm and desire are what change mediocrity to excellence. Enthusiasm carries you. Enthusiasm leads you or assists in helping you find your flow. The clarity of your enthusiasms are acquired while in the act of doing. Finding sustainable enthusiasm is vital for your life. Enthusiasm is abundance. Enthusiasm is the sustainable feel-good or joy. You don't possess enthusiasm. Enthusiasm possesses you. Well, dad blasted, I sure enjoyed the visit today. If you gained something from it, be kind enough to follow us and leave a review. And do it right now. If you would, it'd sure be appreciated. Your comments have been so considerate and honestly left me blushing. And good night, those reviews make a big difference in the program's visibility. On the Apple platforms, you select the Go to Show option. And then click the circle plus sign at the top right to follow. Then scroll down below the episodes to leave some stars and a review. Them algorithms need all the help they can get so as I can disrupt more good folks like you. So I tell you what, if you got a friend or three that you just don't like very much, well, share this podcast with them and let us bug them for a while. And if you have comments or suggestions for future discussions, well, don't just keep them to yourself. We, we'd love to hear from you. You can DM us on our Instagrams at FYO.podcast. And thank you. Are you still there? Remember to download the Family Tree app and see how you are related to the people from today's episode. All those links will be included in the show notes. Sometimes it's important to look a gift horse in the mouth. Your gift is your ancestry. Your superpower is their family history stories that make you. Not a one of us crawled out from under a rock, regardless of what you've been told. You have 4,094 grandparents, over 12 generations, with thousands of love stories, battles, difficulties, sadness, happiness, and expressions of hope for the future that allows you to be here today. We are the culmination of so many things we did not choose. It was designed that way. So be gentle with yourself and others. Take the time to learn yourself through your family history stories. There are innumerable tributaries flowing into the life experience that deceptively seems to be your own, but it's not. 
So think about that as you row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Russell M. Nelson stated, when our hearts turn to our ancestors, something changes inside us. We feel part of something greater than ourselves. (laughs) I concur. Thank you for joining me on another unbelievably true adventure. Find your family history superpower and activate it. Until the next time, bye. <laughs>